everyone. Um, wanted to do a quick episode update um, and just kind of open up one of the topics I've been thinking a lot about as well. Um, so quick update. Um, I did have court again, um, which with uh, COVID going on and everything else, um, it doesn't seem like I'm ever probably going to have to go in front of the judge really at this point. Um, it's really just, um, you know, her lawyer and my lawyer going back and forth, um, coming up with different things. The judges kind of coming down with orders after debate, uh, whatnot. Um, at this point, um, this last court session, a lot of it was circling around, um, money and finances and, um, taxes and how we should file the taxes. And, um, I really, really, really didn't want to file my taxes with my ex because, you know, multiple reasons. One of them being she still owes on student loans from before we were married, um, that she's never paid a dime on. Um, and every single year I've had to file with her. I have to file a thing called a, that's some kind of like injured spouse allocated document or I don't, I don't remember how it's where I know the word injured spouse is in there. Um, so essentially, um, her, her, you know, financial neglect is not my responsibility, um, from debt that she's incurred previous to our marriage, um, which typically will delay taxes and refunds and takes like, you know, instead of the typical, two weeks, it'll take eight weeks to get back. It just, it just seems like it takes forever. Um, not only that, she's got who knows <clears throat> what going on with her business since I haven't been around. Um, I don't know if she actually has a legitimate, uh, business at this point. I don't know if she's actually filed, um, and, and is paying her own taxes for her business. Like, I don't, I don't know, but, um, so she didn't want to file with me either, but then I come to find out I haven't been able to get a hold of my tax guy. Uh, my accountant's super backed up, super busy, but it is super frustrating because I've called like, you know, every other day. Um, my lawyer was able to get a hold of him. He said that um, apparently if I was to file on my own, what I wanted to do, since the judge is wanting stimulus checks and everything else to be split 50-50, um, I haven't actually received our second or third stimulus checks. Um, we only got the first one for some reason, um, and, and I never received them, so I've got to file some paperwork for it. But she wanted to file both children and have me file on my own. Um, and I said that makes no sense because then I would have to beg her if there's any, you know, for the stimulus money, once that gets filed, like I'm going to have to ask her for it, you know, good luck getting that out of her. Um, so I didn't want to do that. Um, so anyway, my, my, uh, my lawyer got a hold of the accountant. Um, the accountant apparently said if I was to file on my own, I would owe the IRS like $4,500, which I, I literally I don't have $4,500. I, I don't, I don't have it. 
Um, and, um, you know, she would make out with like $4,500. So I don't know. I don't know how that works or maybe more. I don't know. She would, she would be set. She would be making a significant amount of money more if she was to file on her own than I would with the kids, you know, for her filing with the kids. I wanted to do me, one child, her, one child, then it's split. Then the stimulus is split. Anything going forward. If there is anything going forward, it's just split down the middle. She doesn't have to ask me for, did you get the money yet? I don't have to ask her if she got the money yet. It's just split. But apparently I owe $4,500 if I was to file on my own. Um, and I would still owe, even if I was to file head of household with one child. Um, so basically if we were to file together, we would, um, get money back and we'd be able to split that. Um, and then we'd also be able to split the, um, refund that we would get as well as the, the stimulus, which I would be in charge of doing that. And I have proven history of paying her, her, you know, allocated amount, her equal amount. I've always been fair with that because that's all I really want is to come out of this fair, even though part of me wishes that I was a little bit tougher with that. But at the same time, as far as the eyes of the quarter are concerned, I am doing everything correctly, which is, which is good. Um, so, so that's kind of that. Um, so my lawyer is begrudgingly so we had to lobby to say that we should file the taxes jointly this year gives me time to change my tax status with my company so um because if i was to file on my own essentially what's happening is um i have my taxes set up with my company that i have a wife and two children so they take less out of my taxes so then if i go and file as, as a single person that I'm going to owe because they've been taking less out of my taxes. So that's kind of uh, the catch here. So now I changed my status with my job so that next year, hopefully I'll be able to file correctly and not lose a bunch of money. Um, so there's that. Um, as far as, um, the house is concerned. They want the house on the market by June 1st. So I'm actually about to start more on the yard because it's nice out today. Um, but I wanted to kind of give another update and kind of talk about a couple of things that have been on my mind. So um, June 1st is really fast. Uh, I've got a lot of work to do. So I've been kind of in hiatus mode here, um, staining steps, painting walls, um, and turning the rainforest jungle in the, ba the backyard back into a regular yard. Um, so, oh, um, yeah, so that's, that's that part. Um, and then my, my, I guess the, the answer to what the judge said, um, if you're curious is that the judge did agree with us that we are going to file together she was really lobbying hard to file separately, but I mean, it would be impossible for me to do the updates and everything that needs to be done on the house if all of my money is being given to the IRS because I'm filing single and she's taking all the money. Makes zero sense. Luckily, the judge saw that it made zero sense. And so now we're back to 
both of us being able to get money and split it 50 50. It makes, it makes sense. So, um, that's huge. That was good. I was pretty stressed about that. Um, wasn't a shocker. I'm sure it's not a shocker to any of you listening that have been following my story that she would demand more than what she should. Um, because that is kind of the typical, you know, (laughs) that people with MPD do is, is, you know, demand more, they're entitled to more. They want more. They want everything. Um, I'm just kind of used to it at this point. That one did not really shock me that that's what she wanted to do and that she was going to try to find a way to, to hose me over any way she could. So um, got another court session coming up on June 15th. They expect a house on the market. So I've got to really hustle out there in the backyard and everything else. I've got to lay grass down. I've pretty much, I've tilled, I've raked, I've destroyed pretty much the entire backyard. And now it's just like flat dirt. You know, we rolled the yard yesterday. Now I've got to go out there and uh, basically scrape off a layer of soil, you know, rake it lay seed down. I'm going to put hay on top of that to keep the moisture in. Then I'm going to, you know, have to be over here every day to water the yard to try to get green grass to grow back in the yard. So, I mean, there's no way green grass is going to be back by the time the house is on the market, but at least whoever potential home buyers would be, would see that, um, the yard is getting an update and that it will be green grass at some point. Um, so, I mean, enough about that. That's, that's kind of the update with, with that. Um, I mean, kind of what I wanted to talk about, I don't want to talk for too, too long here. Um, just kind of a quick update, but something that's been on my mind a lot has been, um, words that I've used that a narcissist does often, um, to their victims, basically their partners or whoever is, in their, in their, uh, crosshairs for their supply is, uh, guilting and shaming. Um, I've kind of used those words on here a lot. I've used those words. I'm sure everyone knows what guilting and shaming is, but I just kept thinking about it. Um, and I use them when it comes to the narcissist pretty interchangeably, but you know, when it's, when it's a natural thing, um, guilting, And guilt and shame individually, I mean, they kind of have different meanings, you know, it's just, I was thinking about it and thinking about it and like, I mean, my brain is so shot and I'm so used to connecting the two now because of what my narcissist has done to me to really separate the two. So I started doing some research and looking it up and trying to find like the major differences between the two. And I'm just going to read this, uh, from a website, um, that I found, um, I mean, essentially guilting is the feeling of remorse or responsible for something you've done wrong or perceived you did wrong, uh, relating to a specific action, uh, like making a mistake, committing an offense or hurting someone intentionally or unintentionally. So that is, is guilt, you know, feeling bad, obviously about something you've done. Um, shaming, um, is kind of the feeling that you are a bad, uh, that you are bad, worthy of contempt or an an inadequate person 
relating to our behavior or self, often in relation to others' opinions, not necessarily about an event or specific behavior. Um, so a lot of time I would feel both of these things when it came from my narcissist. And usually they were very inorganic for me. And it was something that would come up in conversations. Um, I don't know how many times or how many groups of friends um, she would do this around. Um, I'm sure you can relate to this. I mean, this does kind of fall into the category of triangulation to a degree. Um, but it's just kind of like, I can't believe you would say that around them, you know, or at a family gathering, like, why would you do that? You make me so embarrassed. Um, why would you talk to them about this or that? Or why would you talk about our finances? Um, when we were first, when we first moved here, I had a hard time finding a, a job. Well, I got a job pretty quick when I moved, uh, to New York. And then the, I was a bartender and the place I was, um, at got shut down. Um, doors got locked like pretty much overnight. Um, they went out of business, didn't tell their employees until people showed up to work. So I was out of a job and that was when my son was first born. Um, and then we went on food stamps and, you know, had to go on unemployment, which was a disaster. Um, cause New York was saying Nevada was responsible cause I came from Las Vegas and Nevada was saying New York's responsible cause you live in New York and blah, blah, blah. And it took a couple months before we got anything and, um, food stamps, we we're on food stamps. And I remember her just, you know, this overwhelming amount of shame I felt due to her belittling comments and her guilting me about basically being a you know, loser and not being able to hold down a job, not being able to find a job, um, you know, scrambling all the time to try to do this. But then I would also be guilted on the back end for not being there for her or taking care of the kids when I'm driving around at this point, you know, the internet was not what it is now with indeed and monster and whatever, you know, websites, LinkedIn, um, even social media, you can find jobs on there. And it wasn't like that. And we had to drive around and go into businesses and ask if they were hiring and ask for, resume or applications and I'd fill out the applications. And so I'd spend hours a day looking for a job. Um, and then I was guilted for not being there for her. So I was feeling guilty about not working, but then I was feeling guilty about, um, not being there for her because she wanted, you know, my help with taking care of a, a newborn and, um, taking care of the dog and taking care of her and not being the caretaker, not doing the laundry, not doing the dishes, not doing anything. Um, it was just an overwhelming amount of feeling of remorse and responsibility um, and thinking that I was doing something wrong, that I just wasn't doing enough. Um, and that left me with a feeling of, you know, shame. And then I felt shameful and I felt ashamed of who I was, ashamed of who I had become, ashamed that I was unable to um, care for my partner 
the way that she needed. And she was verbally telling me and she was very open and vocal about it. And in my mind, that's what it was. She was very open. She was very vocal about it. She was telling me the truth and these are her true feelings and she's not feeling like she's being supported. And I was doing everything I could to support her. And so then I just felt completely inadequate. And, and that cycle just continued, you know? So when I, talk about like guilting and shaming the two, especially when it comes to a narcissist go hand in hand because they will guilt you for things, make you feel responsible for things. Even if, even if it doesn't have to be someone's fault, like there's situations that happen. Like I lost my job. That's nobody's fault. That's just that place went out of business. I mean, maybe it's the somewhere down the line, you could blame it on someone if you really need to point the finger and blame somebody, but you know, situational things are going to occur and they don't require you to point a finger at somebody and say, you, 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 you know, and that's what a narcissist does. She always has to blame somebody. And if there's nothing else to blame, it's going to fall on you. Um, it's the easiest thing to blame. It's the easiest way to do things for a narcissist and leaves you with a feeling of shame and which can also lead to anxiety and depression and suicidal thoughts and all these other, you know, really horrible things, um, which can lead to addiction, uh, medication or, you know, alcohol abuse or whatever it might be drugs. Um, you know, so, um, I know I've said it on my podcast before. I actually have been speaking with a guy, um, who's taken a lot away from the podcast and he's an amazing person. Um, but he said, I hit the nail on the head when I talked about, uh, death by a thousand paper cuts. Um, and, and the death by a thousand paper cuts, I think a big bulk of that is the guilting and the shaming, um, along with those, which I'll probably talk about in a future episode is, is in more detail is the gaslighting and the blame shifting and the truth twisting, um, but I feel like all of them at the root are to keep you feeling guilt, to keep you feeling shame. Because if you feel inadequate, then you're not going anywhere. You're going to be too weak to leave. And I think a big part of it also is their own projections um, and how they really perceive themselves, but they, they, they can't really look themselves in the mirror and see themselves that way. So they keep shame and guilt far, far away from them. Because if they start to feel that way with all their own past traumas and with all their own issues, um, that's why I think they develop these grandiose personalities um, and sense of self because they, they, they are incapable of actually feeling shame and guilt. Because if they start to feel shame and guilt you know, that's just going to crumble their entire world and they will go into like massive, deep, dark depression and, and they can't do that. They can't take the blame themselves. They have to blame somebody and it's going to fall on you as their partner. And so any kind of inadequacies they feel, you're going to get the guilt. You're going to get the shame. And that's how they feel all the time. Consciously, subconsciously, typically subconsciously when it comes to a covert narcissist or a narcissist because they develop their new lifestyle that they want to 
you know, show the world this is who they are, even if it's a false, you know, image. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, there's so many times I remember we went to this speakeasy, um, kind of like farm to table type event for, you know, a group of vegans basically to all kind of meet and greet and like hang out with new people. Um, which was a really cool idea, really fun experience. Some really nice people opened up their home and their backyard and created this whole, um, beautiful, you know, dinner. We went to that. Um, we met some good people. I was sitting next to another couple and she was sitting, you know, so there's just, you know, a lot of them were just couples. It was like tape, you know, uh, two people and everyone sat at a large table together and just kind of mingled and got to know each other and their backgrounds and where they're from. And obviously we had the common, um, the common, thing of, of, of being vegan, you know, so we had that in common with each other. Um, so we always had like some kind of, it was already there for all of us, which is cool. Um, but this one, we did that a couple times, but this one specifically was on Valentine's day. Um, and I just remember having really good conversation with this couple. And then she had a good conversation with someone. I thought things went really well. It seemed like she was happy. I was happy. Um, we got in the car and then, you know, it was just dead silence and I was super confused and I was like, Oh, happy Valentine's day. Like I didn't fuck up for once, you know, cause I always found a way to ruin any holiday with a narcissist. And I'm sure you can relate to that. Everything has to be perfect. Everything has to be a certain way. Um, and again, there will be guilt and there will be shame when you fuck it up because you will, you'll fuck it up because that's, there's no pleasing them. Um, but damn, I tried, I tried over and over and over again, like a broken record, just cycle after cycle of trying so freaking hard. Um, God, it's irritating to think about, you know, looking back at it, um, so this one, I guess, you know, it it just turned into like all kinds of craziness. It, it, you know, the, the drive home was horrible. It's just like you, it was basically like you ruined Valentine's day. I'm like, what are you talking about? <clears throat> She's like, you didn't even look at me. You didn't even talk to me the whole time. You were just talking to that, those other people. Like, and I'm like, but that was the whole point of the event is kind of to, to, meet new people and mingle. Like I was literally sitting right next to you. Like I talk to you every day. <laughs> like, What's the problem? Um, she was really upset. Um, the, then, you know, there was a lot of shame and shame and shame and guilt. Um, well, I felt a lot of shame. I'm sorry. Cause now I know there's a little difference there. She would shame me. I mean, she would guilt me. She was guilting me into feeling bad about something that I did from her perception. I did something really horrible to her. I was not treating her correctly on Valentine's day. And it was this special day. And I was supposed to be putting her on a pedestal, the love of my life. And because I was talking to other people, even though that's exactly what the whole thing was, and even though she was doing the same thing, you know, then it was, I was only doing that because you were ignoring me. You were ignoring me the whole time. You'd rather talk to other people than your own wife. Um, 
And then I did feel really shameful. I felt really guilty. And then she's like, this just isn't working. You know, we should just get a divorce. Like, and there was a lot of threats and a lot of threats of divorce. But when it actually, like, if I ever agreed, then it was like, how dare you? How dare you want a divorce? You want to divorce me? Like you're, you're agreeing with that. You really think that's what the best course of action is like, why would you even say that? And then she would call her mom and make me feel horrible. There was also a lot of guilt, um, guilting and blaming, um, just based on my gender, uh, based on my race, um, which I know I've talked about too, you know, the me too movement happened, which is a totally legitimate, awesome cause. Um, but when you put that in the hands of a narcissist, it's going to get twisted into a really dark place. Um, you know, like me picking up my son to put him on the counter to brush his teeth, which I've said multiple times and her calling me a rapist because I'm a male and he didn't consent to it, even though he was only three at the time or something like that. Uh, you know, I was considered, she was telling me that I was a rapist because I'm a white male and I don't ask for consent. Um, and I'm buying into rape culture, you know, so she was putting the weight of other people's actions based on my gender and my race onto me for brushing my son's teeth. Same thing happened when I changed his pants, um, when he peed in his pants and he had to change his pants, (sighs) but I was blamed and then I felt shameful. I did feel shameful and I felt the weight of every, you know, like she says, crusty old white man on my shoulders. Like it's my responsibility to be a better man, to be a better person because of who I am. And I need to take ownership for the mistakes my quote unquote, my people made, you know, with others throughout history, you know, it turns into this whole discussion of just this berating of me as a person because of the history of, you know, white men, which I get it. There's definitely, I mean, I could be somebody realistically, I could be somebody that went polar opposite after leaving her and hate all women or, hate all feminists or hate, you know, other people that hate white people or white, you know what I mean? Like I could hate the black lives movement, Matt, you know, like I I could hate all these things, but like, I recognize this is somebody who's unhealthy emotionally and psychologically. And they were guilting me and shaming me and blaming me for things that were clearly not my fault, that doesn't mean that these movements were bad. That doesn't mean that all women are horrible. That doesn't mean that all, you know, white people are horrible or the Black Lives Matter movement is horrible or that the, you know, the Me Too movement is horrible. Like, it doesn't mean any of that. It means that I was being manipulated through guilt and shame, in this case, by a narcissist. And I think that it's really important that we all keep that into perspective You know, I mean, there's a lot of times that I see posts about so many things like, you know, women are crazy or like when I hear people say like women are crazy or like guys are assholes, you know, or just these blanket statements that people make just, you know, these generalized statements, uh, that, that triggers me. That really does trigger me a lot. Um, because I, I feel that it's unfair, um, to lump 
all women as crazy or nasty or whatever, and all men as just assholes or all men are just selfish or think with their dick or whatever, like these horrible things you hear about different genders, you know, like it's just, it's not, it's not realistic. Like somebody hurt you. Like, I just want to be like, who hurt you? Like they hurt you. That doesn't mean all women are crazy. That doesn't mean all men suck. Like I know who I am. I know I suck sometimes, you know, but like, at least now when I think back about things, I can, I see where shame can be a useful thing or feeling guilty about something can be a useful emotion. It doesn't have to necessarily be a negative emotion. Like if I did something stupid, I should feel guilty about it for sure. I'm not, you know, perfect. I'm I'm not going to cast no blame on myself because I was in a relationship with a narcissist. Like if I, if I did something, I do take ownership for it, but it has to be a legitimate thing. Not because I was talking to somebody at a dinner, not because I said something at a family gathering that, you know, then somebody tries to force this feeling on you. It's, and that's what it is. It's just like this forceful emotion that's placed upon my shoulders that I feel like, then I feel like I have to feel guilty. And then sometimes I feel shameful for even trying to debate that I shouldn't feel guilty or that the guilt shouldn't be on me or that I didn't do anything wrong. And then when I try to argue that, then I feel, you know, start to feel shameful. Like, am I not connected with my emotions? Am I not understanding that other people view me in this way? You know, it's this corrupt game that they play with your mind and your emotions and your heart and really do make you feel like you're going crazy. Um, I know I'm rambling a lot, but um, one of the biggest things in a narcissist arsenal is, is guilt, guilting, followed by you feeling shameful because the guilt is just, they're, they're so confident. They're so direct. They're, they're just telling you how it is, you know, and they say it with such confidence, they can't be wrong, you know, but then you're just so confused by why any of it's a big deal. <clears throat> it's just really confusing, especially if you're a pretty like laid back understanding, you know, person. So don't be fooled by that. Um, I think it's, it's going to take a lot of time still for me to fully tap into my emotions and knowing, you know, when is the right time to take responsibility? When is the right time to, you know, feel guilty or feel a little shameful for something that I did, but it doesn't have to be a negative emotion. I mean, it, it helps us learn. Like if we did realistically do something, we should own it. I think that that's just, it's just a little bit harder for us as people who have been through what we've been through to know what we should really be taking responsibility for and what we shouldn't. And I think that everyone should, especially if you're out of the relationship now, you know, just make sure that you're not taking on too much. Make sure that what you're feeling is legitimized. Like <clears throat> if you feel guilty about something, make sure it's a legitimate reason you're feeling guilty. If you're feeling shameful about something, make sure it's a legitimate reason because it might not be, it might be an emotion that you've been kind of reprogrammed to feel because of the abuse that you've endured. 
you know, and you might be taking on too much. You might be taking on too much guilt in your own life after leaving your narcissist, or even if you're still in the relationship with the narcissist, you know, I mean, if it feels weird and it feels unhealthy and it doesn't feel right, you know, you might reevaluate it and try to differentiate between what you should be feeling and make sure you're in the right reality. You know, I mean, that's what I do. I do that a lot. There's so many times that I feel guilty about things that I did or things that I said, or what did I, did I do something wrong? Like, you know, I, I still go through it all the time. Jesus. I mean, today I, I asked my partner, we we're talking about the house and the yard and it is a, a subject that is difficult for her um, because she has strong emotions um, against my ex. So it is hard for her to talk about. And I know that. And we did start talking about it. And then at, at a certain point, she just kind of shut down and she was like, I'm, I'm good. I don't want to talk about it anymore. And then I'm like, I feel shameful that I even brought it up, that I even talked about it. And then I'm just kind of like, are we okay? Did I do something to upset you? Like, because then I feel guilty for bringing it up. And she's like, she just kind of looked at me and she was like, for what? She's like, no, no, no. I, you know, I just don't like talking about it that much. And it's like, okay, you know, as long as we're good, you know, <laughs> but it's like, then I felt guilty for bringing it up. And then I felt shame, but that was all in my head because my mind is fucked. <laughs> and I've got to unfuck it somehow. So, you know, it's day by day, little by little, there's little things. Those are those death by a thousand paper cuts. Those, those paper cuts stick around. Some of them take longer to heal than others, you know? So, I mean, I hope that along your journey, you take a breath, you pause. If you're starting to feel those things, um, really evaluate it and see if it's real or if it's like something that your mind is creating because of your previous traumas, you know, really dig into those emotions and don't just kind of like continue to feel depressed and anxious and everything else for, for nothing. I mean, the narcissist mess messes with your brain for years after, you know, that's how they, you know, quote unquote, when they stay relevant in your mind, they stay relevant and, and molding you to a new person that you never needed to be. You were good the way you were. And now they fucked you up. You got to reclaim that. You know, I mean, I've been reclaiming mine little by little, little by little, day by day. So hopefully this was helpful to some of you guys or all of you or anybody. Feel free to reach out to me. Um, again, if you guys want to tell your story, I mean, if anybody wants to reach out to me and, and come on the podcast and tell your story of your journey or where you are, um, I think it's all helpful. I think that different people resonate with um, hearing with different people. You know, um, your story might resonate with somebody more than what mine does, um, and it could be really insightful for them. Um, I know I've been talking with someone on on, uh, you know, via email and she knows who I'm talking about, but congratulations to you on everything you're going through and getting out. Um, I really appreciate everybody. I really appreciate those that listen, those that 
are seeking knowledge and seeking um, <clears throat> to better themselves um, and come out stronger on the other side of this. Um, you guys are all amazing and very powerful people. Um, keep it up. I will sign off for now. Hope to not go. I keep saying that, not go so long in between, but life is pretty crazy right now. So I got to go fix this yard and fix this house. Um, I appreciate all of you. Goodbye.